Welcome to Your Health Guide, your how-to prescription for better health, translating cutting-edge research for your everyday life. Join naturopath and health educator Lawrence Katsaris for practical tips and insights to help you on your wellness journey. Thanks for tuning back into Your Health Guide. I'm Lawrence Katsaris, and today we're talking about low-carbohydrate ketogenic diets, or more commonly known as keto diets which have become a popular choice for dieters and been gaining more and more followers in recent years. But I find when I speak to people on keto, there's often a lot of confusion on how much fat to be having, how many carbs are allowed, and questions around how the diet works and how to overcome some common problems that can be experienced. So today we're going to dive into the details on keto, and to do this I've invited naturopath and researcher Sally Olchek to the show. Sally spent most of her last year with a team of researchers and clinicians investigating diets and weight loss to create a diet program called the Shake It Program. Now, this episode ties in with a previous episode, episode number 17, where I had Nathan Rose come onto the show, and he talked about how to diet and lose weight successfully and keep it off. And Nathan was talking about the principles about how to effectively enhance your weight loss. And this is what they've wrapped up into the Shake It Program. Now, whether you're doing the Shake It program or not, it doesn't really matter. If you're choosing to go onto a keto diet or you're trying to go low carb, you want to know the right ratios of protein, fat, and carbohydrates and the portion sizes to hit so that you can enhance your weight loss. And Sally goes into these details and provides some clear direction for you. We also discuss how you can measure if you're responding to the diet. How do you know if your body is burning off that fat and how long can it take for that to occur? How much weight can you typically experience to lose by burning off fat per week on a ketogenic diet? And any kind of problems or experiences that might come up, Sally covers off what they will be and how you can overcome them easily. So this is a really practical episode that's going to give you some clear tips on how to do a keto diet. But like always, I recommend that you work under the supervision of a practitioner who can not only provide the right diet and lifestyle program to enhance your weight loss, but is going to provide you with some true support to make those changes necessary and really tailor that program for you. So I hope you find some useful tips in the episode that can help you with your keto and let's jump into it. Sally, thanks so much for joining me on the show. Thanks so much for having me, Lawrence. I'm actually really excited to be here talking about all things ketogenic diets. Um, When I was looking into ketogenic diets, there's so much information out there on the internet and a lot of misinformation as well. So I'm really happy to be here to discuss what a ketogenic diet is, what the heck is it, um, and how we can implement it um, as patients as well. Yeah, completely, because I think that there is, as you say, so much misinformation on these keto diets or, as you say, the ketogenic diets. And probably the first place to start is what does a ketogenic diet even mean? Like what does ketogenic even mean? Yeah, so a ketogenic diet, well, when I started looking into this, ketogenic diets have been around for decades and decades. They've been used um, since the 1960s as a form of dieting to help with weight management. Um, Some of uh, your listeners will be really familiar with uh, some forms of ketogenic diets that have been used in the past that have been really, really popular. So diets like the Atkin diet or the Zone diets, um, where we're looking at extreme restriction of carbohydrates. Um, But essentially what a ketogenic diet is and what a shake it ketogenic diet is, is uh, a low carbohydrate diet. 
So what we're essentially looking at is, and I know that you you and Nathan have spoken about uh, macronutrients in the past. So when I talk about macronutrients, I'm talking about fats, proteins, and carbohydrates. With a ketogenic style diet, we're looking at high fats, moderate amounts of protein, and low refined carbohydrates. So on that, because I know a lot of people will sometimes freak about going too high with the protein. And I like the fact that you're talking about moderate protein because we're really talking here about 30% protein here, which isn't too high, but I find uh, certainly in a lot of patients, they might not eat enough protein really. So when we're talking about moderate protein, you're generally talking 30% protein. When you're saying high fat, how high a fat are you looking at hitting? Yeah, absolutely. You're spot on. So if we start off with protein, we do want it to be around 30%. Um, and the research shows that if we stick around that 30% mark, and we'll go through examples of this in a little while, is that it's going to help with satiety because there's nothing worse than being on a diet and feeling hungry. Um, protein is also going to make sure if you're getting an adequate amount, uh, you're not doing things like uh, reaching for those uh, snacks or chocolate or biscuit towards the evening as well. Uh, so we're looking at 30% for protein. Uh, but when it comes to fat and when we're talking high fats, we're looking at 50% fats in a ketogenic diet. Now, that coming from good or bad fats, like I know, you know, there's a lot of misinformation out there and just a lot of information in general about fats. And we've come a long way from saying you should avoid all fats to now saying there's good and bad fats and there's still a bit of confusion on which are the good and the bad. So does it matter where you're getting those fats from and how are people generally trying to put those fats into the diet? Yeah, absolutely. So when we look at fats, contrary to um, past beliefs, um, fats and good fats can help you actually burn fat that you're carrying. So it's really important to make sure that you're sourcing fats from good sources. Now, um, you can do a ketogenic diet using, you know, unhealthy sources of fats. So uh, things like trans fats from, you know, delicious baked goods that are going to add to an unhealthy um, outcome down the track. Um, but what we're really looking at is making sure that you're choosing healthy, good sources of fat to promote that fat burning. And I suppose we can probably get into some of those nuances of particular foods in which you can use and can't use soon. Um, and so essentially you're saying if we're eating a good, healthy diet, you're going to be getting the, the right types of fats. Uh, you're going to be avoiding those trans fats that are in, you know, bakery goods and processed foods and frozen foods and fast foods, etc. And so that sounds pretty straightforward. And then how much carbs are we trying to get? Like how low do you need to be getting your carbohydrate load to? Yeah, sure. So with carbohydrates, it's really important that we're restricting carbohydrates. So when it, we're looking at aiming at about 20% carbohydrates for this uh, form of ketogenic diets. Uh, and the reason that we're looking at restricting it down to uh, around that 20% mark is usually in our body, we choose glucose to burn for energy, right? So that's an easy way our body grabs um, different forms of glucose. It could be sugar that we're eating, uh, and they burn that as our form of energy to keep our body running. But when we lower our carbohydrates down to that 20% mark, we're actually forcing our body to not choose glucose as its form of primary energy source, but we're actually forcing our body to burn fat as its primary energy source. And this is where a ketogenic diet really comes into its own. So we're switching from glucose burning to fat burning. Nice. And then you're getting that fat through the diet, but then they're getting that fat from the fat stores that we've got on the body, right? 
absolutely. So Sal, I'm also thinking how how much is it then, like 30% protein, 50% fats, 20% carbohydrates? Mm-hmm. How much is that kind of equating to in terms of like what's my portions that I'm looking for? What's the kind of gram amounts that I'm are going to make up that? Like that's nice as a percentage. What's that look like to me in terms of my meals, in terms of the structure that's on my plates for my day? Yeah, absolutely. So what we've done at Metagenics is we've put a lot of time and thought into making this really simple and easy for patients. Uh, So we do have uh, a range of portion sizes that are listed in the patient booklet um, that really help you guide through uh, what a meal plan would look like. And I'm going to run through that with you now so you get a bit of an idea of, of what a portion size should look like. We also have, um, just as an additional, things like the Shake It app where you can log uh, your food records and create your own meals as well out of the portion sizes uh, that we provide you. Um, But if we have a think about what uh, a plate looks like uh, on a ketogenic uh, diet, essentially what we're looking at is um, having a portion of protein. Now, the portion of protein is going to be your palm size, so the same size and I have to say the same thickness as your palm. Um, so the protein source could be anything like beef or chicken or pork eggs, whatever protein that you like. And there's a whole list of recommended proteins on uh, the recommended food list. Um, We also um, are asking to make sure that you have three serves of vegetable on the plate as well. So when we talk about serves of vegetables, we do have a recommended list of vegetables as well. And it's quite extensive. So it's not like um, you don't have a beautiful range of options. Um, But what we're looking at is three cups of uh, raw vegetables, or three half cups of cooked vegetables. Um, And all of those serving sizes, again, are on uh, the food list and in the patient guide. Um, We also have vegetables that you should uh, limit and avoid as well um, to make sure that we're not getting those additional carbohydrates either uh, through things like potatoes, which are absolutely delicious, but we can't use them on a ketogenic diet, or those hidden sugars that are found in canned vegetables and things like that as well. and then finally, what we're looking at is making sure that you're getting those that serve of healthy fats as well. So it could be something like half an avocado. Uh, it could be a serve of nuts. Um, you could also have things like adding uh, two tablespoons of uh, really nice cold-pressed oil uh, on top of those vegetables as well. Fantastic. So palm-sized portion of protein, and I like the fact that you, it's as, not just as high and as wide as your palm but also as thick as your palm. Mm-hmm. Now, on that protein, I guess we'll probably need to talk about this in terms of how that works for vegetarians, like if tofu is appropriate. So I want to loop back to that in a little bit. But in terms of the vegetables, we're looking at the cups or half cups of vegetables and salads. And then we're getting carbohydrates through those vegetables. So then if that's why we need to be limiting particular vegetables that are really dense in carbohydrates like our potatoes, because if you did a cup of potatoes, for instance, you're going to end up getting too high a carb. Yeah, uh, is that correct? Yeah, and then we can let's add some uh, some oils on the side, whether that's coming through some olive oils as the salad dressing aspect, mm-hmm. or whether you're getting those oils, the fats from the avocado or the nuts, etc. So that, that gives a really clear indication. 
Probably one thing I will just clarify for the listeners as well is that you mentioned some resources that could be available, like a booklet and a meal plan and the allowable food list that they want to be looking for. Um, and that can be available when they're speaking with their practitioner. So their resources, yes. the practitioners will be able to help to guide them through. And I think that that's, again, a really important indication about while we can do these diets and we can kind of guide ourselves, really useful to be working with a healthcare professional who can be directing you about the right particular foods to be working with and how to be, you know, kind of tweaking this diet that really works for, for them. So on that, I suppose, is when someone starts this diet, one thing that you and I will often hear from patients uh, is that it doesn't always go perfectly rosy when someone starts a ketogenic diet, does it? Sometimes people can start the diet and start to find that a couple of days in, they may start to experience a slump in their energy or some symptoms appear. Can you walk us through what can change essentially as they change gears from burning that glucose and burning that sugar from carbohydrates in their body to shifting towards burning their uh, ketones or their fat um, in their body and how this can sometimes give, I've heard it referred to as the keto flu, which is an interesting name for it, how that can change on that first week for someone. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I guess uh, some patients have a lovely journey through going from their current diet onto the ketogenic program and um, not experiencing any symptoms at all. But others, um, as you mentioned, this term keto flu, might uh, experience some um, transient symptoms, I'd like to call them. Uh, So essentially, and they all come from um, how dependent the body was on that glucose for burning to begin with and what their diet really was like before they chose to switch across to the ketogenic diet. So some of those symptoms might be um, headaches or irritability. Um, They might feel a little bit sluggish. Um, They might be a bit cranky as well. Um, You know, I'm definitely like that if I can't find my sugar hit sometimes. Um, And essentially what we're looking at is the symptoms usually last one to two weeks um, as a bit of a marker. Um, But if you are finding as a patient that these symptoms are lingering on, you're feeling exhausted, this is sort of the chance where you should be popping in, um, making contact with your practitioner and finding out why this might be the case for you as well. Because essentially our bodies are just really geared to use that simple energy source of glucose, isn't it? And that's why when we deprive ourselves of those carbohydrates and the body has to work a little bit harder to make energy from fat that's where we kind of we can we can struggle like you're saying and that's where i think we can all relate to that irritability that you can get if you can't kind of get your sugar if you start to feel like you your energy slumping and you need a bit of a hit of carbohydrates where that's essentially happening to those people as almost uh they're kind of weaning themselves off the carbohydrates aren't they yeah that's exactly right So that tends to last, I don't know what you find, but I find it sort of somewhere in that first week, it lasts for a couple of days and then essentially just keep persevering with it. But as you're saying, speak to your uh, healthcare professional and they can help you make sure everything's going right and there's not a problem for your health or that something else is going on. And then I tend to find that within that one to two week mark, it kind of fades away. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. And if you are a patient that finds that uh, these symptoms aren't fading away, as I mentioned, this is the perfect opportunity to make contact with your practitioner and find out what might be going on that's driving those symptoms. Okay, cool. So we started talking about the 
portions that we're after. And you mentioned some examples of the where we're getting those proteins and fats and carbohydrates from. Mm-hmm. Could you maybe just give a couple of examples of some kind of classic meals that you might see or prescribe to patients for a ketogenic diet in terms of you mentioned like steak and salad, steak and vegetables, or a piece of meat and salad and vegetables is an easy um, example. Um, I guess fish also comes in there as well. Um, are there other examples that you could kind of help to paint a picture of what a meal looks like to the listeners? Yeah, sure. So absolutely, like like what you said, we're looking for that um, portion size of meat on the plate. Um, That's palm size. We're um, looking at a plate that's mostly filled with uh, vegetables. So um, some of those um, options, um, as I've mentioned, we've got an extensive list. So it might be something like broccoli or carrots or capsicum or cauliflower. Um, But there is a huge extensive list. The ones that we want to avoid um, are things that I've mentioned previously, potato, sweet potato, which has a higher amount of carbohydrates, um, and then um, a good serve of uh, fats on the plate as well. So some examples, you know, you could be looking at something like a stir fry, um, you know, going to um, a pub or eating out. Um, Most places will accommodate for um, making dietary changes as well these days. I guess when we're looking at a plate and what's on that plate, it becomes a little bit more difficult for vegetarians. And I know this myself because I am a fellow vegetarian, um, that we really um, want to be making sure that we're getting enough protein um, as um, as a source. And so with vegetarians, um, the sources that I like to recommend are things like uh, tempeh or tofu. Um, but we really need to be making sure that we're using um, more than um, what's recommended for a meat eater. So, so you're not looking at palm-sized portion of tofu then, I'm guessing, right? Well, we are, but we're looking at double the amount. Yeah. So we really need to be making sure that we're getting two palm-sized portions of, of tofu or tempeh. Okay, great. Now, whether irrespective of where you're getting your sources of protein from, and you've mentioned how when you're eating out, you can get accommodations for that. Like, the, you know, it might just be a matter of saying, take the fries off and I'll take extra salad or take the extra veggies or I won't have the potato. The other thing is when we're cooking at home, putting those together so it doesn't just look like your staple meat and vegetables. You can also be making stir fries and uh, curries, et cetera. And I find that handy things that people can be doing is making cauliflower rice. Uh, Mm -hmm. I'm glad you mentioned the cauliflower before because it's just made me think, yeah, a lot of people love to do cauliflower rice, which is super simple. Yeah. Uh, you can even be doing cauliflower mash, which sort of mm-hmm. sounds a little bit disgusting, but it is actually really tasty. So I do recommend people try that out. Uh, good old zoodles are becoming very fashionable <laughs> these days, uh, where you're using, you're creating noodles from your zucchini. So there's, it's becoming so much more common now that I think you can even buy these you know, cauliflower rice and your zoodles in the supermarkets. People are yeah. making them. You'll even find them out at um, cafes and restaurants and probably paleo cafes and restaurants tend to have a lot more of those options uh, that people can be still having their standard classic meals, can't they? Like your stir fry and feeling like you're getting your rice with it or your noodles with it. It doesn't just have to look like, you know, plunk a piece of 
palm-sized portion protein on the plate and stick some vegetables, steamed vegetables next to it, which can sound a little bit boring to people. They could still work around that. And I think they're, again, in those practitioner resources and patient resources that you've mentioned, people can be speaking with their healthcare professional. And I'm sure if you're just Googling keto recipes and low-carb recipes, people can find out a lot about that. But you've given us the great principles of what that looks like. So that's great that you've talked about how vegetarians need to bump up their protein levels and sort of doubling that to two palm sizes, two palm portions. Is there anyone that will benefit from low carbohydrate diets or ketogenic diets more so than others? Or are there some people with medical conditions or dietary requirements where they might struggle with low carbohydrate ketogenic diets? Yeah, absolutely. So when we're looking at ketogenic diets, I feel that almost everyone could be in a ketogenic diet. But in saying that, um, being a vegetarian myself, vegans and vegetarians could find this form of dieting very difficult or restrictive to stick to in some cases. Um, so in that case, we do have another dietary option called the low-fat diet that we'll be speaking about in our next podcast, which uh, is much more flexible for vegans and vegetarians. Yeah, and I think just on that, while people are listening to that, I, yeah, because I can't wait to record that episode because I think low-fat diets have a lot of negative connotation around them and people hear low fat and freak out. And so I'm really looking forward to doing that episode with you because as you're saying, those vegetarians and vegans can still lose weight on a healthy diet where they're just restricting some of their, their fat levels and, and getting away with still being able to eat more carbohydrates. Cause as you, as you find that can be difficult for a vegetarian and vegan. So um, as you were saying, like that's, that's one that's one kind of group of people that might struggle on a ketogenic diet, but otherwise you feel most people do really well on a, a low carbohydrate ketogenic diet. Yeah. There's another specific group that uh, would really benefit from a ketogenic diet. So a low carb ketogenic diet. And these are those that uh, patients that might present with metabolic syndrome or type two diabetes or elevated triglycerides as well. And so, so ketogenic diets can be sorry, really Sorry, just beneficial. to jump in, Sal. Sorry to cut you off, but no, no. in case people are wondering, metabolic syndrome is a condition where people can have high levels of cholesterol, they can have high levels of blood glucose, and they can also have high uh, blood pressure. And so when you have all of those symptoms, that's known as metabolic syndrome. And as you're saying, that can kind of go and that, that can then triglycerides are another marker of the cholesterol that when you're getting your cholesterol blood test done by the doctor triglycerides are one marker of that and that's the amount of fat that's kind of floating around in your in your blood and so you're saying that people with metabolic syndrome or type 2 diabetes benefit from a low carb ketogenic diet yeah absolutely there's research that shows that it can be extremely beneficial for those presentations. Um, and we do have additional guidelines uh, that your practitioner can talk to you through about the best way to um, modify and use a ketogenic diet to get the best outcomes for losing fat for those with those presentations. So anyone that has a type 2 diabetes or mm -hmm. anyone that even has a family history of type 2 diabetes will tend to do well off restricting their carbohydrates. But um, Big disclaimer in that is you really want to be, if, especially if you've got type 2 diabetes, you really want to be doing this under the guidance of a healthcare professional so that they can make sure that you're monitoring your blood glucose levels. If you're taking insulin, for instance, that you're then working around that with your carbohydrate restriction. And often what you might find is that you just ease into a low carbohydrate diet a little bit more gradually. But if you've got a family history of type 2 diabetes, it gives you an indication that your body doesn't 
utilize and respond that well to carbohydrates that as well as it could do and that's why i often find that those people even if they don't have type 2 diabetes themselves if there's a family history of it they can actually start to restrict their carbohydrate levels and they tend to find that they'll lose weight really well and they'll have more energy and feel better about themselves so i'm glad that you mentioned that and there's some good sort of guidelines in there for some people who can really exceed and do really fantastically off doing a low carbohydrate or restricted carbohydrate diet. But if you are type two diabetic, make sure you do get the guidance of your healthcare professional. While I am talking about type two diabetics and sorry to cut in here, Sally, is that I think it's important to differentiate. I get a lot of questions, probably more so, you know, back five, 10 years ago than I get nowadays. But a lot of people have this understanding that, oh, I thought ketosis was a something that happened in diabetes and that's a problem so can i even do a low carb ketogenic diet if i'm diabetic is it safe to getting myself into ketosis and you mentioned before earlier and probably we can touch a little bit more on this now is that normally we're burning glucose as an energy source and when we stop having our carbohydrates or we restrict those down we shift our gears and we change across to burning our fat as a source of energy and then that produces these things known as ketones and then we can measure those that fat burning we can measure our ketone levels is an easy way that a lot of people might do this is they might be using some urinary ketone sticks and this is just a simple matter of urinating on a, a little sort of test strip and that measures the amount of ketones that you're urinating out as a marker of how much you're burning fat in ketosis and those levels when you're on a low carbohydrate diet a ketogenic diet will be very small trace levels of ketones where when someone associates end-stage ketosis with severe diabetes that's huge amounts of ketones that are being urinated out because there's degeneration happening in the body because of the diabetes but I think it's worth clarifying for people that small, minuscule trace levels of those ketones gives you an indication that you're burning fat from, uh, the, well, the, I guess that you're burning fat and that you're getting your energy from that fat burning. And that's what you're aiming for in a ketogenic diet, just small trace levels that you can measure on urinary ketone sticks. And that's very different to what people associate in the end stage of diabetes or what you'll see in the end stage of diabetes. So safe to do for diabetics and even recommended. Is there anything, I guess, that I've missed in that that you wanted to add in, Sally? No, I agree 100% with what you've said. So ketosis is the presence of ketones. It's not harmful, uh, particularly when we're looking at uh, dietary trace levels. Um, and even though the word ketosis and ketoacidosis sound very similar, they're a very different process. So as you mentioned, ketoacidosis um, is that complication from high levels of ketones with type 1 diabetes, uh, particularly when their body isn't functioning as well and they're producing that high level quite quickly. So two very different processes. Yeah, nice. And measuring those ketones through urinary keto, um, keto strips is a nice way that people can then monitor whether they're getting into ketosis, isn't it? Like that's, if I can see if I'm having enough fat, if I'm burning enough fat off. 
Yeah. So that's a really good point. Uh, your practitioner may supply you with uh, keto sticks or um, a way to measure ketones. Uh, it's a really simple and easy thing to do. And what's recommended is uh, urinating on those keto sticks morning and afternoon um, and having a look for a particular colour change. So when we're looking for those trace levels, the colour that you should be picking up is sort of this light salmon pink colour uh, that shows that the body's actually now switching from glucose burning to fat burning. And this is a really important stage in uh, the ketogenic diet because now we're switching from glucose to fat. We're causing that body to shift um, gears essentially. Um, so for some patients, this can take about 72 hours to really kick in to uh, ketosis. Um, so seeing those light pink sort of salmon colour levels appear on the sticks. So that's just something to keep in mind. So you might start a ketogenic diet on the Monday um, and it may not be till um, later in the Wednesday or even Thursday that you're starting to pick up uh, those levels of ketones. So don't be alarmed, um, but... Um, you know, allow for the, that sort of three-day mark to be able to, your body to switch across to ketosis. And that's really important too because I'll see patients where it might be Saturday night, they have a couple of drinks or they go out for dinner and they might throw in a little bit of carbs. When you're using those keto sticks or you're, you're measuring your urinary ketones, they'll then start to notice the next day they're out of ketosis, won't they? Oh, absolutely. I like to think of them as um, a little bit of a BS stick as well. So in practice with my patients, if they have fallen off the bandwagon for whatever reason, um, they start to really make that connection with uh, diet, lifestyle choices. So they might have gone to the pub and had a beer thinking, oh, it's okay, I'll just have a cheeky one or two. But then they find that they knock themselves out of uh, ketosis, so that fat burning phase. And it does take them a little bit of extra time to jump back on board as well. And I'm actually glad that you're talking about the alcohol because we've talked about food, um, but it's really important to be thinking about the liquids that we're putting in our mouths as well, isn't it? And alcohol is a common thing that people will get confused about in a ketogenic diet, that it's going to contain carbohydrates. Even still, some of your low-carb beers can put people out of ketosis, and it's very individual. So using some of those measurements will allow people to see that, hang on, one glass of wine is actually enough to put me out of ketosis where I'll have other patients where they might be able to get away with a cheeky glass of wine and through measuring their ketones, they can see I'm still in ketosis, so that's okay, but two will push them over the edge. Um, so being aware that the alcohol is going to be a carbohydrate that can shift you out of ketosis and affect your ratios of the carbohydrates you're consuming and therefore stop your fat burning. And being able to measure those and then just appreciating that it can take you a couple of days to get back in. And so even beyond just whether it's a sneaky little beer or a glass of wine, or is that as you've given those ratios of, you know, the serving portions of carbohydrates, people can then also use these urinary ketone sticks to then just gauge of how much carbohydrate is okay for them, can't they? Yeah, absolutely. It allows you to play around with the dietary intake a little bit more because, as you said, it is very individual. Nice. So that probably now we're talking so much about ketones as well. I think the next thing that I'm thinking is I get a lot of questions from people asking, well, can I use supplemental ketones? Because there's products on the market that are ketones themselves. Uh, and I know that essentially ketones uh, taking those supplemental ketones can work in a couple of different ways. Um, and I guess just to probably clarify those for the listeners is that 
those ketones that we're producing by the body, while they are a marker that we are burning off fat and that's where we're getting our energy from and they're therefore a marker that you don't have so much glucose and so from your carbohydrates floating around in the blood to be able to utilize for fat burning so it gives you an indication of what gears are you working in fat burning you've got ketones that you're urinating out great you're restricting your carbohydrates enough that now your body needs to shift to burning fat as a fuel source but those ketones themselves also have some benefits to the body as well and so the supplements that are available on the market are kind of helping to act as a bit of a trigger to help people switch into that fat burning and produce those benefits those ketones offer um, but it's still not you can't just be supplementing your way out of it so that you can you know eat high amounts of carbs and take supplemental ketones and think that that's going to be working where well, i think as you've explained sally is that essentially those ketones are coming as a marker of the process of fat burning taking supplemental ketones sure they might offer a little bit of benefit but they're not they're not meaning that ultimately your body's burning off fat, which is which is what you want it, right? Yeah, that's absolutely spot on. So as you said, uh, that external uh, supplemental ketones, they're becoming very popular at the moment uh, and they can have be very beneficial um, for some cases and in some cases help push people into um, that ketosis um, stage. But what we really want to be making sure of when we're measuring ketones through uh, the keto sticks is that we want to be making sure that the ketones that are being produced are from primarily from the fat that's being burnt so that we're ensuring that we're burning fat for weight loss, um, which is, is really key for, for this type of program. Which is another core point as well in terms of some people can be in ketosis, but they're not burning fat can't they? Because they're just getting, they're burning, if they're getting too much fat from the diet, they're burning that off. That's what they're urinating out, not necessarily their own stores of fat. That's exactly right. So it could be um, larger portion sizes, too much fat, that type of um, presentation that um, can see people being, producing ketones, but not losing weight. So it's really important to be under the care of a health practitioner to make sure that you're getting the macronutrient balance right that you're not overdoing it in one or two areas for example having too much fat and producing those ketones but not losing um, fat stores Um, so I think it's really important to be under a healthcare practitioner to make sure that you're getting the most out of being on a ketogenic diet. I couldn't agree more because ultimately these diets are kind of general concepts and then that needs to be tweaked for each of us because we're all slightly different and we're all our own unique snowflakes. So we've got to be making sure that what we're doing is working according to how our body works to get the best results. So it's not necessarily that a low carb diet didn't work for you. If you've tried that before, it's maybe that your ratios were out or maybe your ratios needed to be slightly different to the ratios that your friend was using that they were getting success from. Now, in terms of the fat burning, when someone is on a ketogenic low carb diet, how much fat can you kind of typically expect to lose? Like, what do you often see in your patients? Yeah, so it can vary. As you said, we're all unique snowflakes and there's a bit of a range uh, for individuals. Uh, But in essence, on a weekly basis, the pure fat that you're looking at losing is anywhere between half a kilo to uh, two kilos of fat loss per week. Wow, that's a lot, right? That's huge. So if you think about, you know, those little tubs or slabs of butter at the... um, in the deli, uh, they're sort of, you know, 250 grams. So you're 
having at least two of those to eight of those per week, pure weight loss. I like that you've differentiated pure like fat loss, because you're not necessarily going to see that on the scales as such, are you? Because some people, I often find when they start a low carb diet or any kind of diet, essentially in the first week, they might have to lose a lot of weight on the scales because a lot of that might be fluid and they might feel that they're a little bit less puffy um, around particular areas. Like some people might notice it around the ankles. Some people might notice it elsewhere, the thighs. Um, So sometimes we'll lose weight and it can be fluid. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's fat. But when we're trying to, you know, that that can be useful if you've got too much fluid. But you're saying half to even up to, in some cases, two kilos of pure fat per week. That's exactly right. Um, and in a lot of patients that I've seen, um, it generally ends up being around that kilo or so mark that they end up losing um, per week. Um, but it can vary between um patients and it really depends on the uh, diet recommendations the practitioner is giving how much exercise they're doing and a whole lot of other uh, compounding factors as well oh yeah and I think that's I tend to find similar I find it's often around that half to one-ish kilo of fat and I have seen people that can lose like a lot of fat um in those first couple of weeks as well. And I find that it's in the initial phases, isn't it? That the first couple of weeks will be those first, like once someone's into ketosis, so maybe a week or two in, once they've established the good eating plans and their exercise regime, if they're doing that alongside that, that's those first couple of kilos of fat will be the easiest to lose. And the longer someone goes through a program, it'll become the body will start to, as it starts to get down to those last couple of kilos, will be harder to shift. Yeah, yeah, that's what we tend to see. So uh, sometimes for some patients, some of the largest amount of fat that they do lose is in those initial weeks. Um, But in saying that, I have seen patients when we're looking at that pulse dieting phase achieve really great results when they go from their diet breaks back onto the program and achieve great weight loss as well. And when I talk about weight loss, I'm talking about fat loss. Yeah, nice. I'm glad that you mentioned that. Like that's one of the diet heroes that Nathan Rose was talking about in a previous episode. So for those that haven't listened to that, do be sure to go back and check out that episode because he talks about those principles, some of which we've talked about in this episode. Like, you know, you mentioned the protein being really important to make sure that you're not being hungry and the diet breaks being a really useful strategy so that as much as it seems counterintuitive, that sometimes you actually want to stop for a couple of weeks and then restart your diet because it helps your body readjust to that lower weight. And then it kind of kicks off that new momentum again, uh, I guess, to oversimplify it. But be sure to go check out that episode with Nathan on that. Now, when we're talking about, you just mentioned exercise before, and I think it's probably important to mention that some people, exercise is still recommended and good to do on a low-carb ketogenic diet. But because we use our carbohydrate as an easy fuel source, I often find, and I'd be keen to hear your input on this, Sally, is that if people go too intense or too hard with exercise programs, they might find they struggle on a low-carb diet. So I generally say, look, go towards moderate intensity exercise and gauge it. Some people are totally fine to be doing high-intensity training on a low-carb diet, and I know a lot of people who are into their crossfit and cross training and their hit training that do love to like almost live on a low-carb diet, but I do find some people can sort of struggle, especially if they haven't really been used to it, um, and that just be mindful if you are feeling that you're doing 
good levels of high, like higher intensity exercise and you're feeling quite sluggish and flagged, not necessarily immediately, but it could even be the next day. It could just be because you've depleted your muscles of those glucose stores or the glycogen stores and that you're not eating enough carbohydrate to replenish that. So I don't know if you've, you've seen the same, Sally. Yeah, I absolutely have seen the same. And I think this is where seeing your practitioner really comes into its own and can really individualize and personalize a program for you. So as you correctly mentioned, um, the amount of exercise is really important for weight loss, but the intensity is also really important. Um, and I know that you mentioned the term moderate intensity, um, but when before I became a health practitioner, I had no idea what moderate intensity was. Uh, so for those that are listening out there at the moment, um, I like and because moderate intensity can differ between individuals depending on their fitness level, I like to think about moderate intensity uh, exercise by using a bit of a, an analogy. So the talk test is what I usually talk to my patients about. So if you and your friend can go around the block and do a bit of a jog, but you can talk and hold a conversation and be able to maybe sing a bit of a Beyonce ballad while you're running, um, you're in low intensity exercise. But if you're doing that same jog around the block and you can hold a conversation but it's a little bit more difficult um, and you can't sing, then that's moderate intensity. And then if you're doing high-intensity exercise is that you really get struggle to get a whole full sentence out because you're uh, working almost at uh, 100% of your capacity there as well. So uh, it is really important to know the level of intensity of exercise that you're doing and have a chat to your practitioner about uh, what might fit you best. But if you are experiencing uh, those symptoms of uh, fatigue or maybe not even being able to get through your workout session without feeling tired or, you know, lethargic, uh, this is where your practitioner can um, suggest other ways to make sure that you're getting uh, a little bit of a boost of glucose through that period. So it might be what I've suggested to some of my patients is um, using something like half an apple before they head into a session or post-session as well to restore some of those additional carbohydrates. And that seems to uh, maintain and manage the energy level um, quite well and it doesn't throw them out of ketosis so we're using those keto sticks again to um, manage their response as well but there's different ways in which you can um, negate some of those symptoms and so you know this is ideal to sit down and have a chat with your practitioner to make sure you're getting the best out of the program as well. Thank you so much for clarifying that Sally I think that's really important takeaways for people to be able to know how they can kind of gauge that and again the importance of working with the practitioner they can individualize that for you. So that has been really comprehensive. I think we've gone into some great detail here about covering, you know, what is a ketogenic diet? What even is ketosis? The fact that we're switching across from relying on those carbohydrates to provide glucose and we start burning off our fats and then that helps us to be able to lose that weight and how we can be measuring that with those urinary keto sticks or through uh, certain different types of products there. Doing that twice a day then we can be doing that through the particular what you know dietary portions and percentages we're looking for. And so I guess just to recap those for the listeners, that's a palm-sized portion as wide, as high, and as thick as your palm. If you're a vegetarian, you're going to need to bump that up to being double. And that's giving you 30% of your dietary intake from your protein. Then you're looking at three servings of your plant-based vegetables or salads for your carbohydrates. And you're getting those as either a half to a, a full cup of vegetables, depending upon what the vegetable is. And then that is then going to be limiting 
that small amount of carbohydrate and you'll be getting some fats in there. So you might be adding in some nuts and seeds or some avocado or some oils there. And then again, be working with your practitioner, be using your urinary ketone measurements to be checking on if that you're staying into ketosis and be mindful of things like soft drinks or alcohol because even if these things say no sugar or no carb they can still have enough carb to be putting people out of ketosis that could take you a couple of days sort of up to 72 hours to get into ketosis and for the first week that you're doing that you might feel a little bit sluggish but after that you'll change gears across and you'll be turbocharging and you'll be feeling great off your fat burning and ketosis and you'll be starting to lose that half a kilo to a kilo of fat or even up to two kilos of fat a week on a low carb diet i think that's been really really comprehensive is there anything that i've missed in there sally or anything else that you'd like to cover for the listeners um before we finish up no i thought that was a a beautiful wrap there lawrence actually um (laughs) and i'd just like to say the the most important thing here is making sure that you're feeling satisfied throughout the program that you're not feeling hungry that you're getting successful weight loss and use all the resources that your practitioner has on hand to make this as successful as possible yeah that's fantastic so thank you so much for your time sally look forward to the next time that we can hook up and we're going to talk about how there's other dietary options for the vegetarians and the vegans or for those people who just really like their carbohydrates the ketogenic low carb diets are not the only way to be losing weight and nathan and i talked about that in our previous episodes on diets so i'm really looking forward to when we can dive into how we can actually just restrict the fat levels and still have moderate levels of carbohydrates but do it in a healthy way that can help people lose weight so thanks so much again for your time sally no worries thanks lawrence thanks for listening to your health guide any resources or links discussed in the episode can be found at metagenics.com.au to help you continue on your health journey don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and if you found this episode useful please rate and review us if you have any questions about how this information could relate to your health condition please go and speak to your natural healthcare practitioner who can provide you with specific advice for your health needs.